our series right now called Keys to Effective Prayer. And this morning, I want to talk specifically about praying for healing. How many of you guys have ever prayed for anyone to be healed, right? We got some calls this week from some families in our church that, I mean, some pretty big, big issues going on in the way of healing, and they asked for prayer. It was funny because I was praying for them as I was writing this message, so there's a little difference in my prayer this week than maybe the week before. And so I want to share with you what I have learned. And let me, I want to, I'm going to talk to you about this subject from a position of a fellow believer. Okay. I'm not some great man of God. Not many of you here thought I was anyway, but just if any of you did think about it, I just want to talk to you as a fellow believer trying to find their way through this world operating in the kingdom of God. You with me? So let me ask you a couple of questions to start this. How many of you, and don't, don't answer too quickly. Let me set you up for the question, make sure you really understand it. How many of you believe that God still heals in the dramatic fashion that we see, that we saw in the life of Jesus? Okay, so don't answer yet. I'm talking about, remember Jesus? Like blind eyes opening, deaf ears hearing, withered limbs growing out. I'm talking about the big stuff. All right, now you can answer. Raise your hand if you think God still heals in that way. The majority of us believe that. But there's a follow-up question that, I was, that is interesting because it's, this touches on your theology. Your theology is what you know about God, what you believe about God. And so we know he is capable of healing in the same way that we saw it happen in biblical days. But the question then becomes, when does God show out in those dramatic healings? Like, like what is the circumstance that causes God to do one of those radical, radical, first of all, it, just for the curious in the room, how many of you would like to see just a freaking bona fide miracle? I mean, I think if we all were honest, we, we are all kind of intrigued, right? So the question though becomes, when does God do that? And the reason I ask you that question is because again, my own journey navigating this world. Um, you know, if you're not careful, you'll create a theology that says this, and there's actually some, some well-meaning churches and even believers who teach this theology. And the theology is, look, God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And so what we do is we just throw up a prayer and God and in his, in his sovereignty just chooses when he wants to do what he wants to do. A lot of us have that theology and I get it because you know, our theology is usually built on one of two things. My theology can be built on my experiences. Like this is what I've seen or our theology can be built on the word of God. And if I were honest, I would say that I read things in the Bible that I have not yet experienced. So we have that difference. There's what my experiences tell me. And, and when I look at my, my, my experiences, it's kind of easier to believe that God is this sovereign God who just shows up when he wants to. 
It's easy to create that theology when I look at just my experiences. But the Bible tells us that we are not to live by this, by our sight, we are to live by faith. And when I look in the word, I see, I see a different picture than God is this sovereign God who just chooses to heal when he wants to. You following with me so far? And so this morning, I wanna, I wanna take an honest, honest look at this and I wanna look at, at our theology because again, when I, when I look in the word, what I see, and then I look in my experiences, they're different. How many of you would say yes to that, right? The only conclusion I can come to is this. I must not be getting something. There's something that I don't know because there's something I'm not walking in. And so the question is not what's wrong with God. The question is what's wrong with us? But here's what I don't want us to do. We don't want to ever get into performance with God. Like, because some of us have been here, we, we, we prayed and, and we didn't see the answer we wanted. So if we're not careful, we'll get into this performance orientation. Like if I'd have just prayed harder, if I'd have prayed louder, if I'd have prayed longer, like if I were holier, God maybe would have answered this question. I don't want to push any of us there because that is not the heart of God. God is not sitting up waiting. Let's see if they're going to pray long enough. That's not, can, can you give me an amen that that's not the heart of our father, right? And so I don't want to get us into performance orientation, but there may be something that I'm missing if what I see in the word isn't what I see in my experiences. So I want to walk with you through the word this morning because we're gonna, we're gonna go to the word. Because when you look in the word, something interesting happens. Let me show you what the Bible says happens when we get in the word. It's found in Romans 10, 17. It says, so faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. So in other words, when we look in the word, it builds our faith. If you ever wondered, how do I get more faith? We get our faith built by looking in the word. Well, why is that important? Because I need to tell you something, and please listen to me, this is vital. Everything we receive from God, we receive by faith. If you are born again here today, it's not because you said a prayer, it's because you expressed your faith in the redemptive work of Jesus. It's not our performance. Ephesians tells us that. We're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's not our good works. And so we need our faith built because anything we're going to receive from God, including healing, comes through faith. Look at Hebrews eleven sixteen. It says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he's a rewarder or that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So we look into the word, build our faith, and then everything we receive, God, is by faith. So we're not gonna look at it, our experiences this morning, we're gonna look at the word. We're talking about the subject of healing, but we're gonna look in the word. Can I hear an amen? So let me, let's start in this way. I wanna kinda go over some foundational principles. If we're gonna be effective in praying for healing, I think there's a couple of foundational things we need to know, okay? 
And so I wanna kind of ask it in the form of a, in some questions and then we'll answer these questions according to the word. The first question would be, you know, who is God and what is God's character? Like, is he that, that cosmic God who just sits up there doing random things according to his own mood? Is that the nature and character of God? Well, according to the word, that is not his character. Because what we just read in the book of Hebrews, it says that God is a rewarder. Please understand this church, listen to me. God is good and he is a rewarder. I mean, when he started this whole thing, when he created this planet and created man and put us here, he rewarded man with every blessing available to him. I mean, it was nothing, nothing but good. God's heart is, is to reward. The problem we had on this planet was that we weren't here for very long until we sinned. We disobeyed, remember that, Adam and Eve? Thank you, Adam. When we sin, here's what happened. With sin comes a curse. Please listen to me, church. Sin brings a curse. So when man sinned, this curse of sin came on the planet. Everything that we know that is labeled bad on this planet is a result of that curse. So God is not looking to give us bad things. God brought blessings. Sin brought the curse. And part of the curse is sickness. Nobody was sick. None of God's children were sick until sin brought the curse. So God's a rewarder. And, and, and you know, sometimes we get really churchy and I say things like, God is good all the time. See, you church folks, you know that. You know that. But a lot of times we have this theology. It's like, okay, God is good and he only gives good things. How many of y'all believe that? But here's a little twist where we get rocked, where we get wrong sometimes. But sometimes the things that God says are good, we don't think is good. In other words, God wants to bless us. God did not bless Miss Faye with a brain tumor. That is not God's blessings. If it was God's blessings, then Adam would have had a brain tumor before the fall. But some of us think, you know, God, he always blesses, but sometimes, how many of you have heard that? But sometimes what he gives us, he thinks is good. We just don't think it's good. I don't see that in the word. You know, in that famous chapter in Deuteronomy 28, Interesting chapter, you need to read that. It's like 68 verses long, so it'll take you a minute. But Deuteronomy 28, um, the first 14 verses, here's what, here's what God's saying through Moses. He says, okay, go tell the people that if they will obey me and hearken unto my word, okay? So let's call that being righteous people. If you are righteous, here's what's going to happen for you. First 14 verses, it's a list of things that happens to the person who is in right standing with God. And guess what? Every one of those things in those 14 verses, you and I would consider a blessing. He didn't sneak in some bad thing in there and say, well, I know you think this is bad, but I think it's good. Every promise in that 
in that list is something that according to my value system, I would say, that's all right. And then though, beginning in verse 15 through 68, there's a different list. And this list is for people who don't obey God, who are not in right standing with God. And there is a long, pitiful list. But all of those things in the second half of Deuteronomy 28 would fall under the category of a curse. The first list would fall under the category of a blessing. Listen to me. If you read the Old Testament, you'll find, how many of you read enough to know that in the Old Testament, God did some pretty rough things? I mean, he did a, a few rough things, but you know what never happened? He never labeled those rough things a blessing. He never said, congratulations, I love you so much. Here's a defeat. Am I, I need to know if I'm landing with you. So the first thing we have to understand, if we're going to be effective in our prayer life and especially effective in praying for healing, we need to know that God's got blessings for you. He is not trying to sneak in sickness in your life to teach you a lesson. God does not reward those who follow him sincerely by giving them some kind of bad situation. That's not how you reward somebody. So we have this good God and he really is good. That's the first point. We gotta know the character of God. Second question though is, is who is this character we call Satan or the devil or the enemy? You know, it wasn't long while man was on this planet before that old serpent showed up. And I want you to think about what, what he did. Because the Bible says of the devil that he's a liar and he's the father of lies. He's a deceiver, he's a distorter, he's a perverter, he's a twister. And we know that because as he began to interact with man, you know what he tried to do? His first effort was this, is I need to somehow distort the view of God's kids about who he is. He needed to twist how they thought about their father God. Now, why would he do that? Because he hates God and he wants to hurt God. He can't hurt God other than hurting the people that God loves. So he gets to God by getting to us. And how did he get to him? He went and he began to plant seeds in their mind about who God is and to twist their view of who God is. He was trying to tell them, hey, you can't trust God. Because God, he, you know, he, he's got an agenda against you. That's, he went to him and said, did God really say? And, and would this really happen? Or is God trying to withhold something from you? If you look, you'll see that's, that's what this was about. So this, the enemy, he's trying to, to distort the view. So we've got this good God and we got this bad devil. And this bad devil is trying to get in between us and God and distort our view of God. And you know, it's funny when you talk about healing, it's some really, I'm not making fun of anybody here, please listen to me. But I just wanna say, I wanna say this to show you how ridiculous sometimes we get in our theology. There's some people who are like, you know, you gotta watch out for this healing thing because you know, the devil heals sometimes. And I'm like, okay, so here's our theology then, ready? God makes us sick and the devil heals us. Come on, 
Is that a valid theology? Guess what the devil would, the theology that the devil would love for us to have is that God makes us sick and he heals us. He would love to pervert and twist that. God, the enemy would love for you to have a distorted view of who your father is. If he could convince you that somehow God's got something bad for you, God's withholding something from you, God's waiting for you to jump through all the right hoops. Listen, he would love to convince you of that. It's who he is. So we got this good God and we got this bad devil. And really the issue, you know what the issue is? The issue is sin, church. When we sinned, it changed everything. Everything, the curse, it wasn't just sin, curse came along with sin. And you know, have you ever heard somebody say, if God's so good, why are there so many bad things happening in this world? Here's the answer, ready? Sin. The reason there are bad things on this planet, it's not because God is somehow withholding things. No, it's because of sin. And so when mankind sinned, it brought the curse on this planet and in that curse is sickness. Sickness was not in the garden. Sickness was not a blessing because it would have been there before the fall. If you want me to quit talking about it, say amen. I just need you to know I'm landing with you and I'll move on, All right? So the problem is this curse that came along with sin. But you know what? That's a big problem except this, that God in his love and mercy looked down and he saw what man had lost and he saw that sin brought the curse. So he came as a man, sent his only begotten son. And according to Galatians 3, 13, here's what Jesus did. It said, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in scripture, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The bad news is sin has brought a curse. The great news is Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Everything that is attached to the, to the curse, it's been broken through Jesus. It's been broken. We've, we've got a, a good God who loved us so much that he sent his son. And you know, the Bible tells us in Romans, I mean, in Hebrews 1, 3, about Jesus, it says the son, that's Jesus. He radiates God's own glory and expresses the very nature of God. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. According to this verse, if you want to know what God's character is, look at Jesus. Jesus himself said, I don't say anything that the father doesn't say. He said, I don't do anything that the father doesn't tell me to do. He said this, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So if you wanna know God's character in his nature, look at the life of Jesus. And when we look at the life of Jesus, here's what we find in Acts 10 verse 38. Speaking of Jesus, and it says, you know that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. 
So if Jesus is the very character and express nature of God, we can look at what Jesus did and see God's characteristic, his, his paradigm on healing. And according to this, Jesus went around healing all that were oppressed by the devil. In other words, the devil oppresses, Jesus heals. Because he's redeemed us. He didn't just take our sins away. So many church people miss this. He didn't just take your sins away. No, he redeemed you from your sin and the effects of your sin, which is known as the curse. All that stuff at the back of Deuteronomy 28, it's not for you. So Jesus redeems us. So let's summarize real quick. So good God, bad devil. Everybody got that? What's the problem? The problem is sin and, and the curse that comes along with sin. Great news though is that Jesus has redeemed us from, for our sin. So if that's the simple truth, the question then is like, why are so many of us believers struggling with things that look like the curse? Why aren't I seeing more of the blessing in my life than I do? Well, the prophet Hosea said this in Hosea chapter four. He said, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. If we don't know this church, we don't walk in it. And especially if what we have, it's not only that we don't know this, that we actually know a distorted version of this because we've let the deceiver come in and, and accuse God to us. And we believed that God somehow withholds good things from us. Church may it not be so. Because see what we don't know, if, if we don't know this stuff, then we can't have faith to express our faith toward a healing. So we end up praying these kind of anemic begging prayers, like somehow we have to convince God to move. Listen to me, church, if you don't know the truth, you won't walk in it. And you know what the truth is? That the redemptive work of Christ didn't just deal with your sins, it dealt with the effects of the curse in your life. That's why it was pronounced, by his stripes, we are healed. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law. It's already done. What do I have to do? All I have to do is express my faith in what Jesus has already, I mean, that's how you got born again. Someone told you the good news of the gospel. You said, I think I'll take that. You activated and expressed your faith toward the saving knowledge of the gospel. Accept Jesus by faith, you become born again. Your healing, my healing, it's the same way. All I gotta know is that Jesus has redeemed my healing, that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. All I do is I express my faith in what Jesus has already done. That's how we pray for the sick. I know I'm oversimplifying this. Remember, I'm, I'm on this journey just like you are. And, and like in my family, we've had three family members in my family deal with cancer. And we prayed. And thank God, all three of those people are still here on this planet with us. I mean, that's a good thing. It was God and MD Anderson. Listen though. I'm just ready to skip the MD Anderson part and say, God, if this is what your word says, well, I got to learn to walk in this. 
Do you love me even though I just said that? That's, that's what I'm talking about us getting, right? And so again, I'm not, I'm not just trying to throw out a, a catchy sermon to you. I'm trying to show you what the word says. And so here in a minute, we're gonna, we're gonna open up the altars and we're gonna have the prayer team come down. And I'm just believing that today we're gonna see healings like we've never seen before. Not because Jody preaches good, but because we're putting aside the distorted view of the enemy that would somehow pervert our idea of God, setting our, our mind on the word of God, letting our faith be built in this thing and say, if Jesus purchased this for me at a great high price on the, on the cross, I do not need to leave it untouched in my life. If he purchased my healing, why should I be walking around with sickness? I believe it hurts the heart of Jesus. And again, I say this so carefully. I believe it hurts the heart of Jesus when he's like, I bought your healing and it cost me dearly. And here people are not walking, not expressing their faith in it. Not, not, not just that, but even thinking that somehow it'd be God's will for us to walk in sickness. Church, if we're not careful, we'll miss it. Can I hear an Amen. I'm gonna wrap up with this and turn with me to James chapter five. I wanna give you a specific formula for how the word says we ought to pray effectively for healing. Look with me. You might wanna, if you've got your Bible, open it up and grab your pen and paper or your, your highlighter. And let's read this together, not like church folks, but like, like, like people who are reading it for the first time. You ready? James asks this question. He says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing songs. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith. Please underline that, highlight this in your Bible. It's the prayer of faith. If you're reading King James, it says this, pray the prayer of faith. It says, for prayers offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly, no rain would fall. None fell for three and a half years. Then when he had prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield crops. Let me just give you a little commentary on this then we're gonna wrap up quickly. He said, are any of you facing hardships? Let me ask you in this room, is anybody here facing a hardship? Just raise your hand, okay. So we got a few hardships in the house. Anywhere you find people, you'll find hardships. Most of them of our own making, but anyway. He said, if there's any, if you're in a hardship, here's, I'm not trying to be funny, but again, let me work this so we can get our theology right, ready? And if it's funny, that's just a bonus. He didn't say, if any of you are facing a hardship, good luck with that. He didn't say, if any of you are facing hardships, Thank God for the blessing of hardship in your life. 
he asked the question, are, are any of you sick? And again, he didn't say, thank God for sickness because God is teaching you a lesson with sickness. That's not what he said. He said, if you're sick, call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint you with oil and pray over you in the name of Jesus. And the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith, this is what the word says. May not be my, what my experience says. This is what the word says. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. That means if there's any of us in here in this room who are dealing with any kind of sickness, we ought to call for our brothers and sisters and we're to lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, pray the prayer of faith and get ready because God's fitting to raise you up. That's what the word says. Please listen to me. And he says the, the prayer of a righteous person. Well, there, there's the hang up. A lot of us are like, oh, there it goes. I am sure the prayer of a righteous person is powerful, just not my prayer. Because I don't fall in the righteous person category. Let me ask you this question. How does a righteous person become a righteous person? By behaving right, right? By obeying all the rules? How does a righteous person become righteous? Jesus. Either Jesus makes us righteous or we're not righteous, church. The word's very clear. I mean, you, you can shine yourself up all you want, but all the shining up you do, you're still looking dirty. Isn't that what the word tells us? So the only way we're righteous is because Jesus gives us a righteousness. And here's the beautiful part, and so many of us miss this. We don't put our faith in that. We don't understand that. But here's what you need to know. What he declares righteous can't be unrighteous. It can't be made unrighteous. His righteousness is total. It's terminal. It takes over. You're righteous or you're not. And the only way you are righteous is because of putting your faith in Jesus. So now, how many righteous people we have in the room? Don't, don't do that. Tell me how many people, come on, raise your hand. If you are righteous, raise your hand. If you don't have your hand up, you're not born again. Because if you're born again, you're righteous. You're not halfway righteous. You're not close to being righteous. You're not on your way to being righteous. Listen, Jesus destroyed the works of the enemy. You and I are redeemed from sin. We were redeemed from the curse of the law. If we are born again, we are righteous. That's who you are. Your wife may not think you behave righteously. But when we're righteous, word says when we pray, oh, it's powerful. It's powerful. I said, it's powerful when a righteous person prays, right? Why am I doing all this? I'm doing this church again. We just, God may have to rewire some stuff in here. Maybe we've believed some wrong things. Maybe we've never been told some right things. But if we don't know, we don't walk in it. I'm just, here's what I want. The win from this service would be this, that we all go home and get in our Bibles. And we ask the Holy Spirit to show us who God is, not who the church I grew up at told me God is, not some distorted version of who God is. No, no, no. I need the Holy Spirit to reveal in the word of God, his very nature that is not twisted, that is not distorted, that is not some skewed version of who God is. We need to see who he is. And let me tell you, he wants his desire is that you would know him in that way. 
that we would know who he truly is. So when we close here in just a second, first thing I wanna do is I wanna pray. And I wanna ask us if I've said anything today, I mean, I may have killed some sacred cows in here this morning. Some of you are like, what is going on here? All right, don't take my word for it. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit would begin to work in us and we would open that dusty Bible that's sitting on our shelves and we would start seeing who he really is.